Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the church pipe organ. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles and join us. But first, let us introduce ourselves. I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast, and this week we have a special guest. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Martin Ellis, and I am the new Director of Music Ministries and keyboardist here at Central. Martin is new to Central, but I'm pretty sure you have a good resume. Just give us a quick overview of what your kind of background is in music. Okay. I have always been in church music since I was a little kid. I had two parents that did that as well. So dad was a singer, mom, they were involved in choir, and they both played to some degree. Okay. They were both organists at some point. So I grew up with that. I mean, it was in the house. We had an organ in the house as well as piano and just decided early on that I wanted to do that. So got an early start, pursued this in college, church music, and as as well as being a concert artist, Mm -hmm. uh, because that is part of my career as well, and just went from there. So I've had the luck of quite a few really good and rewarding jobs and have played for a living. So unlike a lot of my college friends that were music majors, Mm -hmm. have actually so far managed to make a living in nothing but music. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's great because I, you know, I've many times thought, okay, is Starbucks around the corner? (laughs) And am I the barista that you will meet? Sure. So we haven't had to go that route yet. And even at 49 years old, the music career keeps evolving and I try to keep evolving with it. Nice. That's excellent. Okay, so we're here to talk about the church organ. Let's start by what it is and how they vary from church to church. I always have thought that of all the instruments in the church, because we do have a great piano here at Central, we have percussion instruments, we have people that are instrumentalists, but the instrument that stands alone always is pipe organ, Mm -hmm. because you normally, anyway, would not have that instrument at home. No, you know, no, it's, it's a bit unwieldy to have in your house. Right. And then Central's is no exception to that because mm-hmm. it is a pipe organ. It's not electronic, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of the digital instruments that are in some churches, especially out this way, mm-hmm. uh, even more so on the West Coast. Because um, they tend to be newer churches, right? They're newer churches, and we have the tech industry that sort of spearheaded sure. a lot of the digital organ substitutes. One of them being Rogers Organ Company, which was just down in Hillsboro. Okay. So there's a history out here of those kinds of instruments. So when I came here to see that it is still the pipe organ that uh-huh. they put into this building in 1950 was exciting. You know, I thought, oh, gosh, they've actually kept this and redone it and had music people that pushed that along the way mm-hmm. as well. And so what makes it interesting for me. It was always meant to take the place of an orchestra. That's the whole idea. Oh, okay. So that one person can create a lot of sound. sound. And from its very beginning, you know, five or 600 years ago, that was the idea. You know, it was the only wind instrument that could fill a cathedral. And you could just keep adding to it and putting more pipes on it to accomplish that goal. So it gained its reputation as a church instrument then, and that's continued. So 
that's kind of my background, you know, and the mm-hmm. reason that it's so interesting to me. The organ here at Central was built by Moeller Pipe Organ Company. And they're based out of Hagerstown, Maryland, so all the way across the country. I can't imagine there are a lot of companies that build these things anymore. You know, there aren't as many now as there used to be. It used to be a thing, turn of the century in America, it wasn't just church organs. There were organs in theaters. Oh, um, roller rinks. Roller rinks, which we have here Uh in Portland, and that still exists over at the Oaks Rink. Uh They were used as an entertainment well, they were used in stadiums too, right? Yep. Stadiums, a lot of municipal facilities mm-hmm. would have a big pipe organ because, again, this was pre recording and playback technology. So you had one person who could do yep. the work of many. You could have one person come in and not have to pay an orchestra. The history of theater organ, for instance, and I'm playing Phantom of the Opera tomorrow at the Hollywood. Oh, theater. that sounds like and fun. And the history of silent movies. Sure. Was what kind of instrument can we create that we can pay one person to do this all day long and not have to pay instrumentalists to come in and do the score for the movies? So that's what I'm doing tomorrow. So it's a really interesting history. We had a lot of builders, and they were organ factories at that time that would crank out upwards of two complete instruments, Would two or three would be done a day. Oh, wow. They're done on an opus list. So if you think of books, music, uh-huh. you know, where you see the word opus, you okay. know, meaning the sequential sure, number sure, sure. that you use to catalog what you're doing, organ companies had an opus list as well. The organ here for 1950 was something, I don't have it memorized completely, but it's like the 8,100th instrument that that company built. Oh, wow. And it says that on the nameplate that's on the console mm-hmm. part of it. That's a lot. They started their business in 1880 and closed just about 15 years ago. Oh, wow. So they were busy. Organ companies now are kind of a boutique-type situation. It's the craftsmen that make them completely by hand. Sure. And so you'll have a company with maybe three employees. (laughs) You know, they're specialized builder. They look at it almost like being a painter. Sure. I would imagine there's a lot of repair work more than necessarily building new ones. Right. And the company that takes care of ours, their primary business is as a very small builder of new instruments, and they may do two of those a year. Oh, wow. But then the rest of their income is doing tuning, service Mm -hmm. work, any sort of rebuild, which we just had here a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. It's not their favorite thing to do. (laughs) It's not nearly as fun. Yeah, it's not nearly as fun as being creative. So that's what we have left of organ builders. And honestly, it was a business that oversaturated itself. Oh, I bet. Because first of all, pipe organs last a long time. Oh. I mean, they're made out of wood. They're made out of metal. The valves that are under a pipe to make it play are leather. That's usually the only thing that deteriorates. Sure. Because the actual pipe part never moves. Well, that makes sense. I mean, thinking of the cathedrals that you would find in Europe, those organs have been around for centuries. Right. You know, and they're adapted and updated and, you know, somebody will come to play and decide they want a specific sound or something that isn't there. And so then, you know, the company that takes care of it will add that. But the core is upwards of 200 years old in those cathedrals because once it's in, it's a part of the building, not really part of the furniture. Okay. 
And we're not an exception to that. I mean, the organ chambers up front and our sanctuary haven't changed since 1950. It seems like a difficult thing to move around. It is. It takes quite a crew. Yeah. You and I would not be good candidates to probably spearhead that. Yeah, it's very interesting. We're blessed to have this instrument here. And it's not a large pipe organ by comparison of other instruments in town, but it's one of the most colorful that I've played. Oh, interesting. Um, Why would you say colorful? It has a lot of tonal variety to it that you wouldn't normally find on an instrument of its size, first of all. And that has nothing to do with the number of pipes. Well, it kind of does. Okay. Each set of pipes is a different sound. Mm -hmm. We have 13 sets of pipes on this organ. Okay. And as just a comparison, First Methodist downtown has 110. (laughs) That's a lot. Right. That's a lot. That's the biggest instrument in town. So sometimes a set of pipes is more filler, you know, and its job is just to fill in other sounds or other tones. This organ, everything pretty much counts. It will stand independently on its own. And yet it is interesting. I mean, it's very interesting for me. Because everything has a purpose. It was exceedingly well designed because its tonal sound is not different than 1950. Oh, interesting. So when you hear it, I mean, my playing style is probably a lot different than what they were doing. Sure. Although I'm not sure Florence Abel was as much of a pistol as I am. So <laughs> uh, she, I've heard you play. You're pretty good. Yeah, she spent 47 <laughs> years with it and, and had a reputation in town for. Her energetic and aggressive playing. So I guess I fit right in. Fantastic. Okay, so getting back to the pipes and the different parts of the organ, what is most typical for the organs that you've played? Probably there there are consistencies from instrument to instrument. Okay. Because music that's written for organ always has a notation of what types of sounds they want you to blend together. Okay. So we go all the way back to music written before Bach and things that were written last year. Okay. You know, so, I mean, people still write quite a bit for the instrument. And so they'll always give you an idea of what to use. There are basic things that sound like a pipe organ that every instrument will have. Okay. And so we have that as well. You know, I mean, there are just certain pitch levels of things that you expect to see. So we're we talking like an alto, a soprano, a bass, kind and a tenor? Of. Let me think of a better way to explain that. The basic core sound, so like what you would hear on a first hem Okay. here, the way I have it set up and register. It's called registration. Okay. It is the official word that we use in the organ world when you set stops for a piece of music. Okay. The basic registration is pretty consistent with all organs. What I'm using, most instruments will have their own variation of those same names that Mm -hmm. you see on the knob if you walk up and look at the keyboard part. Mm -hmm. And then the knobs that are right next to it. Those are the stops. And you pull those out and it accesses one of the pipe ranks for each one. Okay. So, you know, each one of those knobs is a different sound. And there are certain things that you just will always have. Likewise, the keyboards and the pedal board are always in the same position. You know, we have three keyboards on this This instrument. is something Some else I was going to ask you about. 
Yeah. This um, is different from a piano in that you don't just have three pedals at the bottom and one keyboard. You got a lot right. of extra bits and pieces. We have a lot of stuff to do. The pedal keyboard on a pipe organ is the same as the lowest two and a half octaves on the keyboard. Oh, okay. If you look at it carefully, it looks exactly like the white keyboard up on top. Uh-huh. It's just bigger because our feet are bigger. So essentially, you're not just playing with your two hands. You're playing with your two hands and your two feet. Yes. <laughs> How yep. long does it take you to learn to do that? It is hard. I saw a study at one point, and a couple other organist friends that I have had seen this as well, that the two hardest instruments to play and to learn are organ and then harp, believe it or not. I can um, see that. You know, harp, because you have to think a different direction. It's not like piano or mm-hmm. organ where you're going left to right. With your brain, you have to think out, Mm -hmm. you know, because the low strings are the furthest away from your body. The high ones are the closest. And I never was good. I tried it. It's a completely different 3D kind of view of music. Mm -hmm. And also to change keys with harp, they also have a number of pedals. There are Uh five pedals on either side. Four or five, it depends. Sure. And so if you're in the key of E and you want to go to E flat, you have to do adjustments with those pedals that latch on either side of the harp. So it's not just one foot, but it's Uh two. Like organ, it uses two feet, not just the one foot we use for the damper pedal on piano. So that's what makes it hard. Uh And organ is one of those things that you use left and right brain Uh to play it. Because you still have to read music the way everybody else does. And I read three lines at a time, not two or one, in the case of clarinet, flute, trumpet, sure. all of those instruments. So this is something with your feet, something with your left hand, and something with your right hand? Right. Oh, wow. So there's a right-hand line. Like piano music mm-hmm. are two stabs mm-hmm. put together. So you have one essentially for your right hand, one for your left hand, and then there's the additional line that is the pedal part. And that can be really easy if it's just a bass note, you know, I mean, if if your function is to do what the string bass player does in an orchestra Mm -hmm. and hold notes, ultimately that's the easiest, but some music is really complex and that your feet have their own melody part, or they'll decide that you're going to play chords with your hands and the melody of the song is in the pedal. So it's interesting to do. I've done it for so long. I mean, people always say that to me. They're like, okay, this has to be really hard to do. Uh I'm thinking, okay, well, if I look at the cockpit of an airplane, that looks really hard to me. Uh And if you ask a pilot, they're like, oh no, well, this is what this does. And we do this every day, you know? So it's all relative from that perspective. Did you start learning piano first or did you go right to organ? I did start on piano. And that's what I recommend for students Mm -hmm. too to get basic keyboard skills before you ever introduce trying to use your feet. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be pretty secure. I think I had eight years of piano before I started. Okay. And the organ teacher that I started with in northern Indiana really kind of mandated that. You know, sure. Before we even, because then the concentration was on the registration and what the different sounds do. Sure. You know, how you mix those together, how you do things with your feet. And it's pretty simplistic. I mean, it's like going all the way back to square one. You know, like piano students, they'll start with really tiny little simple melodies Uh just to get their fingers used to being in the right place. And on organ, you do that with pedal. You play really simple stuff. 
and use two notes at a time and then eventually play a scale and learn how the position of your body to do that. So that is fascinating. I learned violin and this sounds just so much harder. And in some respects, I'm sure it doesn't sound as bad because you're hitting notes and you're hitting sustained notes. So it's not like you're screeching a string or anything. Well, that's true. Or the plastic clarinet in junior high, right? (laughs) Exactly. But I will say I was an orchestration double major. So I have a long history of working with orchestral players and what I can't do. I mean, you know, when you're in music Mm -hmm. school, it's like you have to try other instruments Mm -hmm. and you do all this stuff. And I was terrible at string instruments. Oh, funny. So what you do was not a gift for me. (laughs) Um, Sure. You know, as far as hand position for the notes of a violin all of the different techniques that you use, you know, with Boeing's, mm-hmm. that in itself is really difficult. So I think it's what we take on, and I think it makes a big difference how our brains work, mm-hmm. which instrument would be the best for us, mm-hmm. you know. And for me, organs seem to just be a really good fit physically. Now, humorously, I can't dance at all. I mean, maybe I can. <laughs> Given how much fancy footwork you're doing. Exactly. You know, I do all this complicated organ literature and take a lot of chances with pedaling and that sort of thing. You get me out on a dance floor and without some sort of libation, that is not going to happen. That is hilarious. So, <laughs> yeah, so I think it's all relative. I always admired really good string players Mm -hmm. because there are other things that are involved in that to make it music and to make it not screech. Mm -hmm. So we all have that. I mean, we have that in common. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So what makes organ music different from piano music other than just the basic register? Well, the big thing that separates the two, and it's why some people can never be an organist. Okay. On piano, you have the sustain pedal. Uh So you can hit a key and then take your finger right back off of it. And the sound still continues. Mm -hmm. On organ, that is not the case. Mm. It is on and off. So you're... You physically have to hold the key down for the the note to be sustained. As long as it's being held, there's air that goes to whatever pipes you're using. And as soon as you take it away, that's it. It is a cold stop. Um, I never thought about that. And that's really hard for some people. Sure. You know, students that I've had along the way, some find it very difficult because their brain doesn't want to hold that note down. Uh And so between the two instruments, that is the signature difference, mainly. It also makes it very hard for people that start with just organ. And I've seen this too. They are not good on piano. You know, there's not an understanding. Plus piano... The harder you push the key down, the more sound you get. Uh-huh. You know, the harder the hammer hits the string. You can hit on that organ, organ. it makes no difference. Nope. And so you work to not beat up the keyboards. Part of initial organ technique is to really develop what they call a quiet technique. Well, that's where my you're next not banging, question. you're not beating things up. How do you do get a quiet, softer, a piano sound from piano well, being the, the pianissimo all in the registration. Okay. So, and those are things that you think about too. While you're playing piano, you are thinking about what dynamic do I want to play? How legato and smooth do I want to play or not? And your brain has to accomplish that. On organ, you may be changing those registrations throughout the entire piece. 
in a sequence. So there are preset buttons underneath the keyboards, and that's what those do. So that's the loudness and the softness. The that loudness you're and the softness. The color changes. If you want to go from a trumpet to fluty sounds, huh. that all has to be done with presets. And I've had pieces where literally there are maybe two preset changes on a measure. <laughs> oh, so man. you are that becomes part of your choreography. You've now added a level of complexity <laughs> that I hadn't even thought about in terms yep. of trying to learn how to play this. That is fascinating. And it makes it fun. My interest in organ was that it could make so many different sounds. Mm -hmm. That was what attracted me to it. That isn't the case with all people that play it. There are people that want to just kind of set the thing up, and they're all about what technique am I using for the entire piece? What is my articulation that I'm going to use? And they don't do a lot with tonal changes. Mm -hmm. And I get bored if I do that. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, I don't think People that aren't as crazy about organ as I am don't want to just hear the same sound the whole time. Mm -hmm. There are different ways to look at it, even among those of us that play. There are different motivations. And I think to some degree you would see that in violin. Mm -hmm. They're a very mechanical violinist. Mm -hmm. And it's all about perfect technique, mm -hmm. perfect form, and their expression doesn't change a lot. Mm -hmm. But they may be perfect. You know, mm -hmm. that is the person that will play a concert and never miss a note. Mm -hmm. But then there are other players that are all about the expression, the expression, the tone color, and not as much about what we would call an academic technique. Mm -hmm. So same thing with organ. It's just you have an instrument that's a lot louder. So if you're going to let them have it with an aggressive organ sound and that never goes away, that's a problem mm -hmm. for a lot of listeners. And mm -hmm. those are the people that say, oh, I like piano. I hate organ. Oh, um, and there are those out there. I'm sure. You know. So how has the music changed over the years? Because it oh, can't it's just be sacred music, right? There's all yeah, sorts there's of... There's concert music. There are pieces for organ and orchestra mm -hmm. that, uh, that have come about. And, you know, like we were saying earlier in the podcast... That would be a very um, specific venue for organ and exactly. orchestra. Exactly. <laughs> When a lot of the concert halls started to put organs in, and that was, again, part of that big influx of let's put an organ everywhere mm -hmm. that happened right around 1900 is when that really kicked into gear. So it went from being just a church instrument to a public thing. Mm -hmm. The music has evolved with other musical styles, which I think is fun, too. So you can sort of get in your head what Bach would sound like. Mm -hmm. You know, so the music of Bach, it's very noty, it's very regular, it's very metered. There are things written today that use jazz harmonies. The rhythms are all over the place. Mm -hmm. It requires a lot of sound tonal changes throughout mm -hmm. the piece. In fact, the piece that I played a couple weeks ago was a composer that lives in Canada, Denis Bedard, and he's a good friend of mine. He's 63 now. And just finished a piece last week. So it's still happening, you know. That totally blows my mind. I think of organs as such an antiquated thing and that the music is set and you get your Bucks to Huda and you get your Bach right. and you get your hymns and maybe you get that song that comes out at Halloween. Right. That everybody seems to know. But beyond that, it, I, I love that it's still being yeah. written for. And I have a lot of new music. That's one of the things I have focused on as a concert artist and also in churches, mm -hmm. is to do a lot of living composers. When I worked with 
the Indianapolis Children's Choir and Youth Corral back in Indianapolis. It was a big vocal organization, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we focused on a lot of living writers that were doing new styles, even in the choral medium. And we were those people as well. You know, all of us were published with Hal Leonard Publishing Company and writing new pieces. And to make the point that composers are not crusty dead <laughs> people, uh-huh. you know, it didn't stop in 1873. Sure. And so I tried to do the same thing with organ music. Just ordered some new stuff a couple weeks ago that looked really interesting because it keeps me fresh and hopefully will reach someone sure. that likes a different style. You know, that's just been a big focus of what I do. So, yeah, it's still out there. It's a select group of people. There aren't tons of us Mm -hmm. that do this. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing all the new stuff that's coming. Yeah, I know. Now you're going to be on me. So I'll have to, (laughs) you'll come up afterwards. Exactly. And say, oh, that was weird. I like it. And I have a quirky, I mean, if you can't tell, those of you that are hearing me in church basement for the first time, I have kind of a weird avant-garde quirky personality to begin with. So it all just sort of fits. Fantastic. Last question then. Do you have a favorite organ that you have played in the past? Let me think about that. The two claim to fames that I was able to, honestly, it it ends up being luck. Mm -hmm. Um, I played at Westminster Abbey. Oh, wow. That was one of them. And that's an instrument with five keyboards and a lot of stuff. And it was on a choir tour with a big Presbyterian church that I worked at, you know, right out of college for 10 years. And we went, and one of the things that the tour guide was able to get was an afternoon concert at Westminster Abbey. Wow. And so not only was that exciting, I absolutely loved the instrument. It was quite a bit of fun. I just liked what it had on it. I liked its sound. Was it hard to go, okay, now I have five keyboards to try to figure out? Or you stick to what you know? That church I had four. (laughs) So all week long, every Sunday. Yeah, it was one more that had a couple big trumpets and a couple big honky things up on it anyway. And an instrument that I played in Chicago, which would be my second favorite is half theater organ and half classical. Oh. So it's able to do everything. I just did some YouTube videos on that back in the summer when I was out there, and I think it's able to play everything from Bell from Beauty and the Beast sure. to Bach. Wow. Kind of equally. It also has five keyboards, I and mean, it's in a private estate museum huh. that a guy has built. If you've ever seen Fisher Nut Company... At the bottom of like peanuts and mixed oh, nuts and all sure. that, it, that's the guy. <laughs> okay. he, he's absolutely rich and has put this thing in his music room. And it's a lot of fun. You know, just very different. And it's one of those instruments that can play literally everything. Oh, I love so it. So if you have an idea in your head that you're thinking, I want this sort of sound and I want it to feel this way to the audience, it's an organ that can do that. So those would be the two. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Martin, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about church pipe organs, and we will definitely have you back on The Church Basement. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. You can find us on iTunes or Facebook, and we would love to hear from you. Please leave us a review. You can email us at podcast at centralportland.org. And until next time, remember, God loves you no matter what.